0: Hi, I'm Brad Watson from the Saturate Podcast. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is me talking with Adam Breckenridge about narcissism and how uh, what we live in as a culture is such a self-centered, self-focused culture and how that impacts what we try to do is making disciples through missional communities. Uh, we're going to talk about the big picture, the small picture, everything in between. Adam's so great. He's an equipping pastor alongside Jared Pickney and Fellowship Paragold where they're doing really awesome stuff in a small town in the south. And so love talking with him. Uh, You're really gonna enjoy that. And it kind of rounds out a whole series of episodes we've been doing this last uh, several weeks where we've talked with Richard Plass about relational health. We talked to Zach Eswine about leader emotional health. And so this episode is really kind of diving into what I believe is one of the biggest issues facing us is the emotional health of each person in our church and each person in our towns even the ones we're on mission to so I think you're going to really enjoy that if you've not listened to the others you should catch up as well because they're so good I want to point out a few other things that are going on on our website we just released a blog post about where to go next as a missional community like what do you do after you kind of establish your community root it in uh, the gospel identity mission create a covenant even like what do you do after that how do you process next steps as a leader so that's a really helpful blog post I also wanted to point out that uh, in January we released a new resource that helps churches transition into everyday disciple making so it's called the the missional church transition starter and so it's a wealth of resources video audio documents, tons of stuff that we've gathered from practitioners all over the United States and all different types of churches and contexts, and they're basically sharing their learning of how they implemented and moved their churches from Sunday-centric towards everyday discipleship. So check that stuff out. With that, let's dive into today's episode. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Adam, thanks for joining us yet again on the Saturate Podcast. It's good to have you.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and it's good we we lost Jared this time, so it's finally we just get one-on-one time. You know? I, know,
1: I know. Are you lonely though? Are you lonely for him? Do you wish you? Do you miss him?
0: I can just imagine him in like the office next to yours, longingly, like looking at the wall. Like I wish I could be on the podcast right now.
1: <laughs> no, he's probably over there leading several important meetings. I think probably.
0: Yeah, or caring for refugees or something. I don't know. We'll hear about it later. We'll hear about all the great things later, right? Oh, uh, I love, it. love him. <laughs> I know. He's so great. But Adam, it's so good to have you on. Uh, we actually we were hanging out at the SOMA retreat in January in San Diego, and we talked... Uh, well, actually, it started with me. I gave a, a big uh, spiel in front of everyone about the enneagram and and all of its evils. And then you kindly came up to me afterwards and were like, "Well, I think some of your complaints are uh, mispointed. You know, like you're 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 uh, you might be uh, missing the mark here, and maybe the problem's really narcissism." And, and we had a really good chat about that. And so yeah, we thought, man, we should totally do an episode about the narcissism and the effects it has on disciple making and the church.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. That, um, that, that, uh, created a few conversations for me. It was, uh, it was, which I, which again told you, I I loved, I totally love the angst and feel it. And, 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 uh, no, I love it. I affirm it, completely affirm it and, and love it and thought that it was, uh, objectively could not agree more with, uh, so with everything you said. And so I'm very excited about this episode. I just think there's a lot that I personally and, 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 um, and the church needs to hear on this,
0: on this issue. So thanks for spearheading it. Absolutely. No problem. And, and yeah, I think as you're, you're right, like narcissism, man, we just need a lot of help with that. And I think maybe just to start, by giving just a few examples of how this relates to missional communities and and even our our ambition of seeing uh, our nation, our cities, our towns saturated with the gospel. Um, Even if you think about the most intimate setting and, and so many DNA groups that I've been a part of, they become so focused on a singular person, each person trying to uh, demonstrate themselves in a certain way uh, so that we all feel Really good about them, really great about them, or it's it's even narcissistic in the the sharing of wounds and pains. It's it's all like caving in on itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the that's why the the title of that book is so brilliant. You know, like the way back to you, uh, everyone wants, but then those groups end up being kind of a dead end. And you think, where was the gospel fruit? Where was the spiritual growth in that? Where was the fruit of the spirit? Um, and it happens in, in missional communities, too. You know, there's uh, such a drive within them. Most of the dysfunctions or even conflicts I've come into are that uh, a group or people within a group fail to even consider or empathize on the needs of others. Uh, either like the mid with especially in regards to mission, it can become this thing of like, man, I want to just condescend and help take care of these people you know, poor people who don't know any better. Uh, And it's that kind of like this hero, narcissistic drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or there's just like this inability to empathize or care about other people. So you could be talking about the lostness of your city or your town and people just don't, don't care because they can't consider past themselves. And and that definitely relates to a lot of conflicts. And then, you know, recently, maybe it's just because I moved to Los Angeles, the capital of this (laughs) a self-centered world. At least that's how it feels. But man, the people we're trying to reach and love themselves are like they are narcissists. So I can talk to uh, a neighbor for links without them even asking me a question at all. And they love to talk about and they can't even consider other people's views or, or anything like that. And so I don't know if we've ever had as, as narcissistic of a society as we have now. Right. And so I think it's, we can talk about that, which we will. But man, I just think that there's some real deep issues and, and warning signs that we're seeing that, man, we got to move towards health gently. Mm. Um, and that's what I want to talk about here in this episode and, and hopefully uh, give some training and some equipping on that so we can, I don't know, move forward into making disciples. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, couldn't agree more. One one of the questions we have to answer is is you know what is narcissism? Like if we were gonna yeah, if we were gonna kind of zero in on it and talk about um, what the problem is, it's just helpful to name it and kind of define it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love that you're talking about a narcissistic society because I've got you know I've got there's a lot I think needs to be said on that. If we were gonna try to define it, define it, just asking the question you know what is it? I think, in, you know, the essence of narcissism is that it's all about me, right? Mm-hmm. Christianity says it's all about Jesus. The Bible's all about Jesus. I mean, according to Colossians, all of reality is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but narcissism actually disagrees with that. It says, well, it's, it's all about me. Um, and if we were to, you know, put a, a more clear definition on it, narcissism is really taking the God given desire and drive to love God and love others, and just completely turning it inward on oneself to where now you are in love with and enamored with your own self and your own image.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what's really troubling about that is kind of what you were saying is that, you know, and a lot of people have been writing about this for the past 20 years now, but uh, we live in a culture of narcissism. Um, it's a culture that. Is discipling us toward becoming obsessed with ourselves and obsessed with our own image. I mean, you know, we live in the age of the selfie, right? It's mm-hmm. it a strange phenomenon that is, um, <laughs> but it's it's a thing. You know, we live in the age of the selfie and this thing called social media that is is not bad in and of itself, but it's just a platform that encourages self promotion and. You know, we could talk at length, if you want, about the, the whole self-esteem movement where we get participation trophies and tell everybody they're the best. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You know, but like
1: basically all of that is discipling us. And um, mm-hmm. we, we are uh, just unintentionally just we don't have to try. We're being shaped by that. And and, uh, and and we live in a culture that's drifting further and further into a narcissistically structured self, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different markers of that. I mean, there's a exaggerated emphasis on individuality over community. You know, any relationships I have are purely self-serving. Other people exist to help me accomplish my goals, my desires. So, you know, you, you exist to help me win, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, this emphasis on autonomy over any submission to authority. Basically, truth is relative. You know, I get to define my own reality. If you disagree with me, by the way, you're intolerant. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just an exaggerated emphasis on image over authenticity. So there's just this need to be seen, you know, which I think is human. We want to be seen and affirmed, uh, which only Jesus can truly give that to us. Uh, But that again gets turned inward on itself. And so now, it's it's this need to be seen as as exceptional. It's exaggerated exceptionalism. I, I need you to see me as successful and awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a deep fear of truly being seen, of any vulnerability, you know, right. any weakness. And so, yeah, I just think you nailed it. You you said it's a, a narcissistic society. I think that yeah. is a huge challenge to our discipleship to Jesus, and it's at the it's at the the very front lines of of the mission of god in our culture
0: yeah i mean i think even yeah you listing those things like individuality over community autonomy over submission uh, image over authenticity it's like each of those things are just massive boulders in the way of of jesus yeah. right like how can you you can't move forward though we have i think within Christian circles there's a way to use each of those things to make it look like you're on the way to Jesus you know like mm-hmm. with individuality it's like well I'm just kind of figuring out who I am as a person yes and it's so rich I'm like diving deep into my own soul so now I like I'm following Jesus better than any of you guys are right <laughs> I like, you know, uh, There's also that same even with autonomy, too. It's like, you know, I've just learned, like, I need to go be off by myself and do my own. Like, this is what works for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't understand. Like, I figured out what works for me Mm -hmm. or the image of authenticity, too. I think we've learned how to be authentic for image sake, you know, like, oh, like. I'm going to get up here and cry in front of everyone or I'm going to tell this story so that people then will look at me as, wow, there's a real sincere, yeah. authentic part. It's, I think, yeah, like it's, it's really odd in our culture, but then it's just, to me at least, it's just so sick within Christian community. But I, but I think it's, yeah, it's just super prevalent uh, in my own life.
1: Oh yeah. Huge, I mean, huge temptation for, for, for all of us. Right. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it is exceptionally sick, uh, within the Christian worldview because our faith says that, you know, God is to be at the center. I mean, you know, uh, and, and, and instead narcissism places me at the center. Hmm. And of course, you know, all, all this goes back to, uh, I mean, just, you know, the term narcissism, at least, goes back to, you know, the old Greek legend where you have Narcissus, as this this figure in Greek mythology known for being just obsessed with his own beauty. And, And so his vanity causes him to, you know, grow and become disdainful of other people. And the Greek gods, mm-hmm. obviously, um, this is pagan mythology. By the way, this is not the Bible. <laughs> this is the yeah. but this is
0: fascinating. I never knew any of this. This is fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Greek gods, they t- they take notice of of Narcissus and they punish him by causing him to fall in love with his own reflection in the water. Hmm. And so Narcissus stands there by the, the on the riverbank and stands there and stares at himself in the water and and unable to leave his own image. He withers away and dies alone, and and, wow. and so the moral of the story is there is a danger in looking at yourself too much, and there is a yeah. danger in thinking too highly of yourself. Yeah, and and of course, Greek mythology is just borrowing biblical assumptions to make that work. I mean, the Bible, just the essence of sin is is taking you know all of the gifts of God, including the gift of relationship with him and intimacy with him and and turning all of that inward on oneself. I mean, that is, that is mm-hmm. sin, you know? And right. again, the massive, the massive issue that we have to tackle in our culture, because now it's celebrated and encouraged and we live in a culture that rewards narcissism actually.
0: Right. Yeah. Which, you know, I think that's a, Like even how, yeah, you're, you're pairing it there with, with like, this is essentially sin, uh, and our, our culture rewards it. (laughs) Uh, I think it's my, my wife was doing, uh, a paper last semester. She's in a counseling program. She did a paper on narcissism. And one of the things she came to is the defining way of finding out if someone's a narcissist or not, is if they can read the characteristics and if they read them and they say, well, that's clearly not me. Like, I'm above that. I don't have a problem. Mm. Then you know you have a narcissist on your hands. Wow. So if you're like, oh, that's somebody else's problem, then you know, oh, this is a deep struggle with them. But if you read through it and you're like, man, maybe I think I might be a narcissist. Like, I think just all about myself. It probably means you're on the path to dying to self yeah. because you're at least aware that you have like this. these tendencies?
1: Well, I I would love to piggyback on that because I'm, I'm a fan of, of self-awareness, but here's what, I mean, I think self-awareness that terminates on itself is, is particularly not Christian. Hmm. If I have self-awareness just for self-awareness sake or for, for the, if my goal is self-actualization or just becoming Mm -hmm. my best me just for the sake of like my glory, then that is that is self awareness that is um, that is not Christian. But but to your point, um, it's good to be aware of your of your sinful tendencies. And I think about um, Jesus coming and when he launches his ministry, the first thing he says, or at least that's recorded, is the kingdom of God is here. Therefore, repent and and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so the word repent obviously means change your mind. That's the first thing Jesus, when he hits the scene, he's like, hey, there's a new redemptive regime in town mm-hmm. and this needs to change the way you think. You need to change your mind. And and I just think what's interesting is you can't change your mind about what you don't know about. And you can't change your mind about what you're not aware of. And so there's a way that self-awareness is kind of the first step of repentance, you know, and can actually lead you into, grace and the mercy of God and forgiveness and deep relationship with God. But what, what, it's such a fine line. What, what happens so easily in the name of that is we take self-awareness and obviously you see this with the Enneagram or I can, I, we, I'm, th- I'm assuming we're going to talk about this uh, some more, but um, you you take self-awareness and it terminates on me
0: mm-hmm. and it becomes
1: me knowing me for the sake of me knowing me rather than me knowing Jesus at all, if that makes sense. And so I think that's just a, I think that's a temptation and a problem that I know I have, but I, I see that in our, in, you know, in our church.
0: Yeah. Big time. Oh, totally. And I think that some of the stuff even, yeah, I think we've, we've talked before, you know, offline many times about how Yeah, like the Enneagram is just the latest version of us doing this. You know, we we can take any tool and make it about ourselves. You know, we can take uh, like something deep within uh, the Soma history is the four G's, these four truths that God is good, gracious, glorious, and uh, great. And you can take those and... You know, it it deeps into your idols and different things like that. And that can define who you are now. Mm. Even though the tool was created to talk about God, we've made it to talk about ourselves. It's what we do. It's what we do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, it's just really, really fascinating because I think one of the things that makes the Enneagram unique is that it doesn't do this, but most of the other personality evaluations and stuff, the goals of them, it seems, is to produce in us a higher level of efficiency mm. and like effectiveness mm. in the world mm. in a culture that just wants us to produce more, wow. you know? And so the goal is figure out who you are so you can be more productive, more efficient in it, more famous, mm. more known, all of it. Like we we discovered how to make clay and bricks. And so we're just going to build a tower and make exactly a name for it. Exactly. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the culture we live in. Uh, so it brings with it all sorts of discipleship issues. But the church is also, at least in America, can't teach, or at least in my experiences. I guess I shouldn't talk for all churches in America. But uh, we've actually, I think, we've kind of fueled this way of thinking, uh, thinking about yourself in the way of following Jesus. How have you seen that? Like, how has the church kind of fueled? The narcissistic discipleship, like discipling to the self instead of discipling to Jesus. How have you seen that?
1: Yeah, well, I think, and I by the way, you know, I'm a I'm a participant in this, so I'm not throwing any other church uh or pastors under the bus, but I think um there's just an increasing pressure towards creating a culture of consumerism over a culture of contributors, where you have people that are being called to literally take up their cross and follow Jesus. And the reason we don't want to do that, by the way, is because it requires self-denial. <laughs> and so yeah. you know, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me and let him deny himself and take, he doesn't say become obsessed with yourself, but actually deny. He's not talking about completely empty yourself and lose yourself like some Eastern religion type thing, but he's talking about the parts of you that need to die, you know, so that you can truly live you know, kill those, take up your cross, and follow me. Whoever would, you know, save mm-hmm. his life will lose it. Whoever loses his, his life for my s- sake will save it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I mean, that self denial is a key element in your spiritual formation. And I feel like there's a pressure on churches to, to create, you know, programs centered. There's nothing wrong with programs and trellises when I mean, you have to have those. So I'm not at all dogging mm-hmm. that. There's, the lie of just pure organic ministry is also just that it's a lie, but, um, but just a consumeristic um, type of mentality that doesn't really call people um, to make disciples. I mean, it doesn't really call people to live on mission. Um, And I think um, that the natural gravitation of the human heart is I'm going to live for me. If you're not going to call me to live on mission, I'm going to live for my mission, um, which is all about me. And so I think that has infiltrated, infiltrated the church um, and like, like you were mentioning earlier, any tools that we've tried to use to help people grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus. We, we find ourselves even as pastors, um, unintentionally causing those to terminate on themselves and, uh, terminate on us. And, uh, yeah, I just read a, a, a blog post that talked about how, you know, less than careful pastors, um, can easily, you know, reduce the gospel or the truth of the gospel to an impersonal system and kind of teach the gospel as a technique uh, that you can apply to your problems that will make you feel better uh, or make you maybe, you know, make you better mm-hmm. as a person. And and it's a gospel that can easily just completely miss Jesus. You know, again, it it terminates on us. Um, even kind of the way we, we use that language of gospel-centered sometimes as a label can be, Mm-hmm. uh can can really be a, a way of branding and broadcasting something about me. Um <laughs> by the way, I'm thoroughly gospel centered, just uh for everyone who's listening. But um but there's a lot of people there's a lot I'm not gonna get crucified for this. Um, but there's a lot of, no there's a lot of people in our tribe even who use that language who have written about this over the last several years. I mean um, I just read an article called uh, you know, when being gospel centered goes too far. Yeah,
0: gospel Center discipleships website, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, gospel center discipleships website, yeah. yeah. And they just they, you know, a couple of articles or you know, videos released on the Gospel Coalition's website called uh, you know, don't be more gospel centered than Jesus. Mm. Uh or is it possible to become so gospel centered that you neglect Jesus? And that's that's the thing. I think you know, we can look to the gospel for its benefits Mm -hmm. and look to it as a a tool or a technique um, or even a language to kind of gauge who's a real Christian, like who really gets it, who can talk the gospel. Um, And we can completely miss the point of the gospel, which is life with God and uh, receiving the love of God in Christ and then sharing that with a a lost and dying world. And I love that you mentioned the, the four G's. I mean, the, I remember I remember being in Kansas City and us having like a scratching our head moment. Again, now we're just you're asking how has churches fueled this and we we're, we're we're fueling this unintentionally yeah. by creating spaces where we we get people talking about surface and source idols, you know, comfort, control, power approval, which I totally agree with right. all that. Use it use it all the time. Uh, but I remember us scratching our heads as pastors and being like, "People people are justifying their sin by blaming it on their comfort idol." Right, they're not like actually taking responsibility for anything, and then yeah. they're and they're just being like, "Oh, I'm j- I just have a performance idol," kind of like I might with Enneagram be like, "Well, I'm just a six, and that's why I'm anxious." Well, no, I'm not trusting God.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Oh man, I I use that all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry, I'm I'm late from work. I was just you know performance idol, so <laughs> yeah. I'm aware of it. So you know, I'm really busy.
1: Working on the Sabbath and burning my family down, but man, I just got this performance idol that I can't kill. Well, you know, I <laughs> yeah. better do something about it before it kills you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, there's there's a there's a I love this. We we don't often know this, but like Paul David Tripp wrote a follow up article. You know, his one of the things that really like caused the heart idol movement to explode. Which I mean, I, I understand Ezekiel talks about. You know, we we've taken idols and put them in our hearts, and I totally. I mean, I use that every day. I use that, that, mm. I use this framework on a daily basis. Totally think it's biblical, love it, life changing. Right. But Tripp wrote an article called uh, Idols of the Heart and Vanity Fair that became really, really popular. And, and he had to write a follow up to that. You can Google it, read it. It's, mm. it's, it's so good. But he wrote a follow up article to Idols of the Heart and Vanity Fair. And he just spent the whole first, like several pages of the article talking about how we're abusing this mm-hmm. um, and how we're, we're going on these idle witch hunts and where we've been, we've become morbidly introspective mm. and we're so busy looking inward that we're not looking out uh, at God's beauty at the, at creation. And then also at the, the, you know, the brokenness and the, the mission that God has for us. Um, we're just become self-obsessed with, Our brokenness, which is really a backwards form of narcissism. You can be so obsessed with how awesome you are, or you can be so obsessed with how jacked up you are.
0: Totally. Yeah. And man, that's so, it's kind of like the evidence, though, that like there's no satisfaction in just getting to the bottom of yourself, you know, like Mm -hmm. because, and the reason I know that is because getting consumed with my idols didn't heal me. Right. It just made me see them. Getting obsessed right. with my number on the Enneagram didn't heal me. It just helped me know. Mm-hmm. And, and because I, I wanted, the, I wanted the, the transformation to stop with me. And I think that's kind of the root of it. It's like I want to be in charge of my own transformation. I want to be in it's charge. It's control. Of yeah, totally. And, and I want to do it on my own terms. And so, yeah, I'll use tools for my own ability to keep control. Even of my, the way I'm authentic, I don't know. At least for me, I've uh, I think I had a a mentor tell me this. You know, you're reading the scriptures and following the way of Jesus. Whenever you find yourself dying, instead of building mm-hmm. yourself up, and you're dying to see the church be built up, not mm-hmm. your own self built up, because that's that's how Jesus is working. Is he's you're you're dying, he's building up.
1: That's good. That's really, really good. Gosh, we need to hear that, man.
0: Yeah, I think it's just so fascinating. Even um, in a couple of weeks here in Los Angeles, we're going to take all of our missional community leaders and deacons and elders. We're going to go have a retreat on the beach. And um, the last several times we've done this, we've had people share like evidence of like, what what is God doing in your community? You know, like everyone mm-hmm. shares what's going on in their missional community. But last year, we realized that there was just this huge burden that many people placed on themselves to have something super worth sharing mm. besides God is good, you know? And, yeah. and either like, I need something to share. That's hard. I need to have something that's good, like something that will entertain people. Um, and yeah. so here we're actually, we're not having any share time. Uh, I don't know, but it's just because it's like, man, we, maybe we can't handle those like little avenues because we want to, yeah build ourselves up more instead of dying to ourselves and we're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with the death yeah it's 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 gnarly
1: and there's a tension you know i mean i feel like i think it was kierkegaard who who said that like christians are famous for overcorrection
0: mm-hmm. totally
1: and so we could run all the way across and and run totally totally away from any form of self-care which i think would yeah. be a denial of biblical faithfulness you know I think we could run away from any form of looking in at ourselves which would which the Bible tells us our deepest problem is on the inside so it's obviously telling us to, to look inward at, on some level and deal with what's I mean because if we don't we do behavior modification right we we do we do belief modification or behavior modification and we never actually deal with what's what's going on in my heart and my soul that's driving this behavior that you know and Totally. Uh, what are these emotional processes that uh, that are controlling and driving me and, and these longings I have for love and intimacy that, oh yeah, well, Jesus can satisfy those, but you have to kind of deal with that stuff beneath the surface. And yeah. I think about Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 of, I mean, I pray for you guys that you'd be strengthened mm-hmm. in, in this location called your inner being. And um, and which implies that if you're not, if he prays for you to be strengthened there, it implies that there's a weakness or a sickness or a problem there. He wants to see you get healthy and strong beneath the surface. Right. And I feel like, you know, at least I've, I've been a part of some, um, some Christian circles and some discipleship models that emphasize knowing a lot about Jesus and doing a lot of stuff for Jesus without right. any sort of inner communion with Jesus. And that's a recipe for burnout, Uh, And then you've got other discipleship models that are like, hey, man, it doesn't really matter. Knowing information or doing a lot of stuff doesn't matter. You just need to move out into the woods and just have this Mm. deep inner focus on Jesus. And that's an overcorrection. And I just feel kind of like God wants to give us a lot of grace for this. Um, Even as a pastor, I feel anxious about trying to get control of this and make sure I'm leading people and shepherding them in the right way. And I do think that's a noble desire and, and, uh, and pursuit. But I, I feel like there's, there needs to be a lot of grace for us and, and at the same time, a lot of intentionality to make sure that we don't damage mm-hmm. or lead people, lead people away from uh, the person of the gospel, which is right. Jesus.
0: Yeah, the, the reality is, is like, man, all these tools that were created to help Christians examine themselves are needed because we're so we're like deeply wounded relationally in january we had an episode uh you and jared were on it with richard plass talking to him about this very thing that we are so relationally broken that like to raise up mature disciples we have to begin there you know like how, how do we become whole relationally emotionally all of that and i think that that, that is the tension like we have to look at our hearts because he, yeah jesus even says like out of the heart or out of the mouth the heart speaks like so mm. like the stuff that we're doing is born in our hearts mm. or yeah in proverbs to to know the heart that's the life spring of everything yes and so i think that there's this there's this thing where we have to walk this tension of seeking transformation but even just like to seek relational transformation for the glory of god not for the glory of tools or for ourselves yes like man i'm a better person than i was a year ago Yep, i walked through the emotionally healthy spirituality or something it's like no like look how good god is right Mm -hmm. or i think too the the tension is also like what if it's not on our own terms wow the the self-awareness the the understanding of our hearts, but it's not on our terms. What's so powerful when, you know, Paul is is writing to his friends and he says, you know, I've got this wound in my side, this thorn in my side, and I'm praying for it to be relieved, but it won't go away. Mm -hmm. At least for me, I see a glimpse of like, man, for the apostle Paul, even who's in prison doing all these wonderful things for God, his transformation doesn't get to happen on his own terms either. Yes, very good. Yeah. And I think yeah, you're right. Like we should continue like we need to help people understand what's going on deep b- below. Man, it's it's a challenge, you know. Um so I don't know. Yeah. I know you think about this all the time like how do you help lead people towards that balance?
1: Yeah, we we, we try to use uh this language a lot. Um we talk about spiritual formation for the purpose of gospel saturation. Mm -hmm. We want to help people grow up and be formed into the image of Christ. Um, We want to see the gospel grow deep in people. So the gospel will grow, will grow wide, you know, through people Mm -hmm. and spread across our city and our region and our world. Um, But, you know, in order for the gospel to do that and bear its fruit, there's somewhat of a deep work. It also needs to do. There's a formation work it needs to do. And so there, there's a reciprocal relationship. Another way to say it is maturity for the sake of mission. You know, we want to see people grow up and live for Jesus, you know, <laughs> not for themselves, but for the one who made them and the, the one, you know, for whom they were made. Uh, we want to see people that is the destiny and the, the, the identity and the calling that that Jesus has for those who are his. And 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 so you do see this reciprocal relationship in Paul's writings. I mean, you know, he says in Colossians one, like the reason I work and I toil so hard and struggling with all of Jesus's energy within me is so that I can present everyone mature. I mean, that he sees the goal of his mission as maturity, but maturity creates more mission and then more mission creates more maturity. And, you know, it's just it's there's this that's the relationship. I mean, I think about Ephesians four of build up the body of Christ. I want to see the body of Christ build up. But then you get to the end and he's like pray for me that I can open my mouth and, and share and spread the gospel boldly. And, and, um, or the great commission, even where Jesus says, go make disciples, but then teach them, you know, everything, teach them to obey everything, which is summed up as love me and love others. And and so there's this, help them grow up. That's what it means to make a disciple. Yeah. And so we really try to talk about like formation. If it terminates on itself is just self-help. That's all it is, you know, and that's, not what we're in the business of it's not what we want to do we want to see the gospel grow deep in our people so the gospel grows wide and and part of formation a huge element of spiritual formation is living on mission that's part of what that's where transformation is going to happen that's where by the way all the stuff beneath the surface is going to start bubbling up and you're going to encounter all these issues and uh, and have have really sweet opportunities to meet with jesus uh, but it's going to be a life on mission right. that causes that to happen. Um, so you you don't kind of get sit around and get mature, and then when you get mature, you start living on mission. Right. That makes sense. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's part of your formation, but the two go together. And we really we really try to um, that's one of the ways we try to structure that is we say that missional communities are about helping people move outward on mission. Uh, DNAs are about helping people move inward and do the, do the deeper work of spiritual formation. And we don't, we don't create a hard line between the two. We say the two are friends. The two go together, you know, formation happens on mission. Mission happens within DNA. Yeah. If that that makes sense, that's one of the ways that we've, that we've tried to structure things in our church and some of the language that we've tried to use.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I, I think that's so right on. Even I think like probably the vast majority of people's experience when it comes to like narcissism in their own missional communities, it's probably when you start talking about mission, it's really when that comes a thing. You know, like it's either people are like, well, I wanna I have my own, you know, self-actualization narrative that is about this mission, not your mission, you know, or it's yes. like, well, I just can't because of these different things. And and that's usually where the rub comes, you know, because it's thinking outward instead of for yourself exactly and i think exactly why it's such a good uh environment to to see healing in that because you Mm can't think about yourself and yeah even to continue the theme that we've been talking about is you know jesus always invites people to come come follow me and die he never tells people hey sit over here and die you know like <laughs> yeah. hey you need to just go back to your homes and villages really die when when you've died a really good death come to me and i'll you know send you out there and make you fishers of men it's like no come right. and follow leave everything follow me die to self and then you know walk with me
1: yes yeah,
0: yeah. and i and so i think pointing people to mission it's hard because people's pushback is it's so vicious it's almost you know it's like yeah, when Gandalf tries to get uh, Bilbo to leave the ring, you know, like Bilbo freaks out. Exactly. And it's because, you know, he knows that he's he's having something removed from him. And so like people will mm-hmm. freak out when you invite them into the mission. But I think that yeah. to invite people in mission while you're simultaneously caring for their souls to grow deep and healthy and mature is is a real powerful mix.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Formation and healing can't happen in a classroom or just a counseling session. I mean, the, the mission forms the container. Uh, it is the relational container where that stuff happens, you know, and uh, you cannot be formed without living a life on mission, proactive, reactive mission. I mean, mission naturally points you to move out toward others. That is the direction that Jesus has for your life. And so that's, that's the other thing that we've really done is we've just I mean we we communicate hmm. um, every week in our sermons every sermon discussion God we do every everything that we do we, we champion missional communities and we push push people to get plugged in um, we have we make the next steps really 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 clear we call people to get involved in missional communities uh, we just think that's where that's where um, transformation is gonna gonna happen that's where you're gonna be pushed and challenged I mean communities where you get uh, encouraged uh, by the gospel and it's also where you your need for the gospel gets exposed mm-hmm. and so I mean the other thing that we do is we just man we try to just talk about Jesus a lot mm-hmm. you know I mean we just try to talk about Jesus more than we talk about the razorbacks uh, <laughs> here you know um, you know more than we talk about the Enneagram or um, any other technique or tool which again, don't want to overcorrect and say that any of those kind of things are bad. Certainly not the Razorbacks. Well, they're actually terrible last year, but a uh, terrible football season. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Back to Jesus, Brad. Um, we just, you know, we just want to, we just want to preach Jesus as the good news. I mean, that that every soul is longing for, both believers and unbelievers, and ultimately healing and growth happen from beholding Jesus. I mean, that's that's what I love about p- what Paul says in Second Corinthians three eighteen is he says um, that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to to the next yeah. by beholding Jesus. <laughs> like Sorry. transformation doesn't happen by looking at your, by sitting by the bank and staring at your reflection in the water. You will die there sad and alone as, as the myth says it's not a myth. It's reality. It, it will happen. Uh-huh. But, but transformation happens when you look at Jesus. And I think, We try to remind our people like I think it was Robert Murray McShane that said, you know, for every look at your sin, take 10 looks at Jesus. Um, And so, yes, acknowledge your brokenness. I mean, the gospel is predicated upon the fact that you're broken and sinful and hurt and need need a Savior and need resurrection. And you need to be made new because there's brokenness, deep brokenness caused by your sin, caused by the sin of others. It's all true. And, and you don't have good news without bad news. Right. But, but you don't stay there and you don't become obsessed with just what is broken. You become obsessed with Jesus and how beautiful and gracious and loving and how real he is. And so we just tell people, you know, like, hey, become obsessed with him, become obsessed with him. Yeah. I think it was Thomas Chalmers who said, when you when you do the deep soul work, when you go down within yourself and you actually do begin to look at what's there, um, you'll get lost in your own darkness if, if you don't keep the light of Christ close with you. And so that's the other thing that we try to remind people of. Like if we're if we're if we're trying to look within ourselves, you know, if there's a relational pattern that you're getting stuck in or there's an addiction you can't kick and we're trying to like, let's look beneath the surface and figure out. Not you know, have ask the Spirit to help show us what is going on here, so that we can apply the presence of Jesus to that and the love of Jesus to that. We we remind people like we're 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 going in with a flashlight. Uh, We're not just diving into this junk just to swim around in it and wallow in it and get lost in it, but like we're bringing light to the darkness. Which that's that is the gospel. That's what. That's what God wants to do. That's uh, and so we're we're trying to shine the truth of the light of Jesus into your soul, and and we believe that God wants to do that not just in you but through you, right? And uh, and so it does always come back to mission. But those are that's just some of the ways we talk repetitively with our leaders, with our people. That's that's our philosophy. Anytime we're doing a shepherding session or yeah or whatever, like that's just that's that's where we live,
0: you know, and try to camp out. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, you can't fail talking about Jesus or hopefully not. Hopefully we're not doing another podcast in like 20 years. Like, yeah, even Jesus-centeredness makes you uh, a narcissist also. (laughs) Uh, Uh, And with the risk of that also, you know, (laughs) what are, uh, you know, we always like to point people to some tools that might help them. What are some key kind of resources or things that, that or that you use to help disciples kind of overcome this area and move forward?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing we do is we obviously, as we've as we've mentioned and highlighted, DNA missional community. We really try to make sure that people are plugged into those. And yeah, I mean to help people kind of heal and um, and move beyond some of these some of these tendencies. uh, I mean, we use, if I'm answering your question correctly, we use, you know, there's a tool that we use pretty regularly called a life map. And the whole goal of it is to basically, if you've, you know, where there are wounds, where there are relational dysfunction and things like that, that things in your soul that are kind of hijacking your life with God and others, we say, Hey, we're going to take a focused season, just a season, to examine some of these things and invite Jesus into these places. So it's always the goal is to encounter Jesus. So we'll do a life map where we'll kind of look at, you know, like what are some of your painful events? There's three, three components to a story. There's events, there's emotions and there's interpretations. And so, um, it always gets to Jesus because we say, okay, let's list the events. Just what happened, you know, in your life, what have you lived? What's the trauma or pain you've experienced? Um, emotions would be, what are the emotions you feel or felt around those things? You know, Uh, if your dad left, if this happened to you, if there was a divorce, if there was a whatever, you know, what, what are the emotions that you carry? Um, And then interpretation is what story did you tell yourself to make sense of what happened and how you feel? And inevitably, a lot of our stories are false, untrue, toxic lies that the enemy wants to use to keep us disconnected from Jesus and Um, keep us from living on, on his mission. And so we basically help people identify those. And then we say, okay, the next step is let's tell your story and let's invite Jesus into these memories and into these places and ask him to speak what is true. And it's the most beautiful, like healing exercise we've done it time and time again. And uh, I've never had a situation where people, people never come out of that fixed, you know, they never come out of that perfectly whole but they do come out of that with a, a greater appreciation yeah. of, of the, the reality of Jesus, the good news yeah. of Jesus. He's good news in very specific ways. Um, and then we just encourage people like the past is is never a place that you want to live, but it's just a place that you'll, you, you know, from time to time you might need to visit it. But we really try to encourage people to move forward, you know, like let's work on forgiving. Let's work on healing and let's work on moving forward into the the identity and the calling as a disciple maker that God has for you in Christ and so yeah i mean tools like that life map i mean obviously we've we've been talking about these tools but enneagram 4gs i mean these are all things that we use consistently but we really use them as a way of emphasizing Jesus and why he's such good news And uh, and so I'm not sure if that if that answers your question, but I think that's, um, yeah, that's uh, it's a way for us to help us become aware, especially of narcissistic narcissistic tendencies. I mean, go back to something you said earlier: narcissist. God, I'm struggling saying that (laughs) word so hard. Uh, But you know, don't have awareness of those things in their life. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, any any self awareness tool or strategy is just to help people. Uh, press into Jesus and lean on mm-hmm. him, rest in him, grow up, grow up in him uh, and then live for him, for his glory. So,
0: yeah, that's so great. I think those are all like those environments like we've already talked about. And then, yeah, a life map like that is, is so helpful and helping people just remember to stay on, uh, stay on Jesus. So, thanks so much, Adam, for joining me in this conversation. It's been so good. We'll have to keep circling back around to it. Yeah, if you're listening out there, you have more questions, don't, don't hesitate to contact us. You can write us at hello at saturatetheworld.com. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, rate it and let other people know about it. Uh, that's the way that this, uh, this thing grows. If it's helpful for you, uh, we'd really appreciate you sharing that with other people. And uh, with that, I uh, hope everyone has an awesome week learning about Jesus and following him. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mo Pack. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.